Welcome to the Renewing the Center podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Renewing the Center, we're answering God's call to work for the spiritual renewal of the church. For more information, visit renewingthecenter.org. We're glad to have you with us today. Now, let's make some space for God's renewing work. Today on the podcast, we are going to be jumping back into Exodus 17. And as we've said here earlier, uh, Exodus is probably the best place to be during the Lenten season. And so I'm really excited to be with this one, uh, even if this story does paint us in a somewhat negative picture. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 in Exodus 17, then we'll pray. And then we're just going to spend some time together here thinking about the Word of God. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I I do ask you to help us to see uh, truth in this really strange story from the Old Testament. And Lord, I pray specifically that you would help us to look at our own lives here. That's, that's what we want from you more than anything, is insight into our life and into your heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So there's a lot of complaining in this section of Exodus, and I chose this passage from the lectionary because I think many of us are probably prone to a lot of complaining right now. I feel like in my own heart, I, I want to whine a little more than normally just because I feel like life is hard and you're probably there with me in some way. So in the in just two short chapters, so if you read the one we're reading in Exodus 17, you back up a couple of chapters. This is the third instance where the children of Israel are said to have been complaining. So there is a lot of stress. And if they're making a career out of complaining, um, Here's how we understand what's going on in their hearts that got them there. In just a very short while, the the hope has completely evaporated uh, relative to their miraculous deliverance from Egyptian bondage. So if you think about it, it hasn't been that long since the children of Israel were set free, right? Parting the Red Sea, God does all these miracles. They're now out of Egyptian bondage and they're moving in the wilderness theoretically toward home. But it's just gone terribly bad. In such a short amount of time, that liberation seems like a distant memory. It's almost as if it didn't even happen. The the Israelites are an absolute mess, and they're complaining like it's their job against whoever happens to be in charge. They're upset with Moses, with Aaron, with God. And what we're told in this passage is that they quarrel with Moses. Uh, The word used here for quarreling in the Hebrew language is actually stronger than grumbling. It's like strife 
argument with a threat of violence and what was once received by these folks in the not too distant past as a gift, a miracle, is now being demanded outright. There's a growing sense of entitlement. And y'all, this has got me to thinking about stress in my own life and in yours. Usually the places where I feel entitled are places where I'm afraid and insecure. And that's exactly what's going on with the Israelites. One commentator, a biblical scholar regarding this passage, says that the Israelites, because they are so stressed, don't see that God has their best interest in mind. And I think that's probably true uh, in my life at various junctures, just where I think, man, I'm so underwater that I forget that God would have my best interest at heart. And then we start complaining. But y'all, they have a lot to be worried about. Um, The Israelites are complaining, but they're complaining because they're actually underwater. And I bet the same is true for you. It's like in the moments when you complain, rarely is it just because you're being a brat. It's because we're actually really stressed out. See, for the Israelites here, one can live without water uh, for, for three days, but after about 10 hours, it begins to register as a concern. If you go a day without water, some complaining is bound to commence. And we have no idea here how long the Israelites have been without water, but we can understand how terrifying it must have been for them. And here's here's where I think this text applies to you and me. The reality for the Israelites is that they had become effectively institutionalized by slavery in Egypt. See, the predictability of bondage including the daily provisions that they were given in Egypt, had caused them to forget what it meant like to live like free people. And it's ironic that they'd become a bit soft in the midst of hardening slave labor. Parts of them had grown hard, while other parts had grown soft because they never had to worry about where they were going to sleep or where their next meal would come from because everything had been decided for them. See, for the Israelites, uncertainty had been boiled out of the equation. And that's really the ironic thing here. Certainty, predictability, even if it's a bad kind of certainty and predictability, is somewhat perversely comforting. While uncertainty, even if the uncertainty itself means that you're free, can be terrifying. That's what the Israelites were struggling with. See, the upside of slavery is that everything is settled for us. Our choices don't matter. Our, our hopes don't matter. Our dreams don't matter. And in some ways, our fears don't matter. We're not worried about where we're going to sleep or what we're going to do in the morning or what we're going to eat or drink. So our decision-making abilities when we're in slavery tend to atrophy in an environment that's under uh, control and oppression because there's no pressure to discover, to discern, and to decide. But now the Jews are faced with all of that and more. They've got to decide. They've got to discern. They've got to discover. They've got to live like free people. And y'all, they just don't know how to do it. That's why freedom was so daunting for the Jews over and over again. I mean, in the middle of this passage, they start to renegotiate terms in their imaginations with Egypt. Like, well, Moses, why'd you bring us out of here? Like, it wasn't so bad back in Egypt. Over and over again, the Jews say this, and we're appalled. You know, you read it and you think, gosh, how could you begin to think slavery was better than this? They didn't know how to live free. They were lacking in the wilderness. And in the midst of that stress, the Jews began to blame people, namely Moses, for their situation. But y'all, it was the Lord who led them into the wilderness, who gave them the opportunity to be free. But they basically... Pin it on Moses. Why? Because Moses is standing right in front of them. 
Here's a here's an indicator that you should consider in your life. If you find that you're quick to blame people, specifically people who are in front of you all the time, it might just be that you're afraid and underwater to hear they can't blame the one who actually they want to blame, ultimately God. So they just blame the person that's standing right in front of them. So what does Moses do when he's blamed? He doesn't let them have it, really. He does two things. He speaks honestly, and he seeks God's perspective. He's honest. He says, Lord, what do I do with these people? They're ready to stone me. He's frustrated. He's angry. He's probably frightened, but he doesn't take matters into his own hands. He honestly prays and speaks to God about what's going on in his life and around him. And then he says, God, what are we supposed to do? And God actually says, gather the leaders and go, and I'm going to show you what to do. And he tells him to strike a rock, and Moses does, and water comes from the rock. And this is an amazing provision to this group of people who were conditioned to slavery and grumbling in the wilderness and blaming Moses, God provides. I just want to say to you, if you are underwater, if you are stressed and not acting your best, God still sees the need and he longs to meet the need. The fact that the Lord provided for the Jews in the wilderness to me is a testimony of God's faithfulness. I'm not often faithful like I want to be, but the Lord is. And God actually provides, and water comes gushing out from a rock. And the rock area gets a new name, Meribah, which that word sounds a lot like the word for rebellion in the Hebrew language. And God essentially reminds the Jews, in your rebellion, I provided for you. Y'all, it was so hard for them because they weren't equipped as wilderness people. And I think that the same is true for you and me. Much of our sinning, the bondage, our version of Egypt comes because we are afraid and we're weak and we're vulnerable. And when we get led out of those places, we oftentimes find out we're not cut out for freedom. And when we're in freedom, we find the uncertainty sometimes pushes us to places of grumbling, complaining, and blaming. And I just want to say to you today that if you are in a place where you feel prone to grumble, complain, and blame, the Lord wants you to learn rather than doing those things, how to live free. But he's going to provide some water along the way, even as you grumble, even as you stumble or fall forward. Father, I pray for my friends and I ask for grace to take it one step at a time. Lord, we admit to you that oftentimes while we want to be free, we really don't know how to be free. And like the Israelites, we find ourselves a mess. And I pray, God, that wherever that's true for us today, that you would help us. Pray that you would meet us, that you would forgive us, and you would heal our hearts. Watch over us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you felt moved or inspired by something in this podcast, an idea, an image, or an impression, carry it with you into your day as a prayer, coming back to it again and again in the spaces throughout your day. Be curious about what God wants to show you. What in your life needs to hear this word of encouragement, inspiration, or course correction? And be courageous in your response. The Holy Spirit will give you the grace to carry out whatever He places on your heart. And thank you for being with us today. We look forward to having you with us again next time here at Renewing the Center. Mm-hmm.